Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Welcome to the Tell Me Everything 2022 Year in Review Super Special. I'm John Fugelsang, and I'm so glad you're here with us, literally. I'm, I'm glad anyone is still here. I'm so glad we're all still here, and I hope you and your family are well. We're going to recap the major news stories of the Year of the Tiger, which somehow turned into the Year of the Incompetent Dude Bro. But I hope your positive moments outweighed your dark ones. 2022 was the year of pointless spectacle and shocking violence, and that was just the Oscars. It was a year when Britain lost one queen, but somehow got to have three prime ministers. Inflation, Omicron, Uvalde, don't say gay, a year when six Supreme Court justices, five of whom were appointed by presidents who lost the U.S. popular vote but got the White House anyway, decided American women should and would have fewer rights than their mothers and grandmothers. And yet it spawned an incredible, inspiring resistance. It was the year when Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine and committed atrocities on civilians on a scale Europe hasn't seen since World War II. And yet it also spawned an incredible resistance. This year, the world population increased over 8 billion. Vladimir Putin, Elon Musk, Kanye West and Donald Trump continued to decrease their reputations in public. This is a year when Democrats fought for voting rights, the first black woman on the Supreme Court, decriminalizing weed at the federal level, funding vets care, manufacturing chips in the U.S., upgrading infrastructure, investing in climate, lower drug costs, imposing a minimum tax rate on billion dollar corporations, forgiving student loan debt for 43 million borrowers, the first major gun control legislation in 30 years. And Republicans fought Hunter Biden's laptop and teenage trans girls competing in sports. I, I was trying to get a sense of this year, and I, I went back to look up what my uh, my hopes and predictions were at the end of 2021. And I, I found my my notes when this year began, uh, what I was most excited for, new music from Kanye and investing in FTX. I was totally thrilled to watch Brittany Griner play in the WNBA. Madison Cawthorn was all set to cruise to a second term. Republicans were going to gain massive leads in the House and Senate by forgetting about Hunter Biden's laptop and trans girl athletes and focusing on the issues that matter to Americans. And Elon Musk knew he could expose his dick to a SpaceX employee because that story, unlike little Elon, would never come out. That didn't actually pan out the way I thought. But there were a lot of positives in 2022. Dirk Chopin's in jail for the rest of his life. Kansas, in the middle of the summer, surprised all of us with their devotion to women's reproductive rights. Dr. Oz lost. Maya Angelou became the first black woman to be on the quarter. Blake Masters lost. The COVAX Global Vaccination Program reached its one billionth COVID-19 vaccine. Herschel Walker lost. Uh, Moderna announced the first doses of an HIV vaccine have been given to trial patients. Carrie Lake lost. And the Obi-Wan Kenobi show was pretty good. What will you remember of 2022 
and what does 2023 hold? For this special, we wanted to invite a couple of our our favorites who we've fallen in love with over the last year. Uh, I'm always thrilled in this show when we can meet new people who become parts of the community here that I learn from and am inspired by. These two guests are no exception. Dr. Tracy Pearson is a legal analyst and consultant who you've seen on TV and in radio and in podcasts and quoted in media from Forbes to Fast Company to the New York Post. And you've seen her on Cheddar News and News Nation. Dr. Jason Nichols is an award-winning full-time senior lecturer in the African-American Studies Department at the University of Maryland, College Park. You've read his stuff in The Guardian, Al Jazeera, NBCNews.com, The Hill, and more. And you've seen him on Fox News, Al Jazeera, Newsmax, MSNBC. It is my great honor to welcome Dr. Tracy Pearson and Dr. Jason Nichols to our end of the year show. Hello. Thank you for having us. I'm really happy to be here. I'm very excited. Thank you. I am as well. Well, I, I'm so glad you're here. And I, I, I decided for this special, I wanted to to get the ugly part out of the way first, because as you guys know, uh, white supremacists and homophobes and anti-Semites and uh, trans haters and, you know, immigrant despisers, they're they're having a moment. And um, I want to know your thoughts about it. It seems like it was a very good year for hate. Uh, I, I actually, as disturbing as it is, I've always said that I, I view America as an old couch. Donald Trump is the black light. So this ugliness has always been there. It's just a bit shinier right now. But I, 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 as bad as it is and as dark as it's all seemed, I'm dying to know your thoughts because I sort of feel like the widespread revulsion towards these bigots shows that America is actually moving along in a pretty healthy way. We've just got a long way to go. How will you look back on this year when so much bigotry we thought was in the past went very mainstream? Dr. Jason? So firstly, I think we need to acknowledge what it is that you said, and that's that it's always been here. Uh, we've always had the, this uh, level of vitriol and hate. But what is, I think, unique and hasn't really happened post-civil rights is, you know, if you remember the old Lee Atwater quote, and I won't say the, the exact quote, you can't say N-word, N-word, N-word anymore. You use words like affirmative action and force busing. You know, you, you do other things. We know, first of all, systemically that when we're talking about things like systemic racism somewhere where I have a little bit of expertise, I can tell you that that kills far more people than extremists. You know, mm-hmm. uh, poor health care, uh, you know, poor uh, diet and access to healthy foods, you know, um, the, the many issues that we have in our society kill far more and separate more families. I was just reading uh, about the fact that one in three uh, families will be investigated in in Maricopa County, um, you know, to separate families, uh, separate wow. children, one in three black children, that is, you know, so they, they end up not getting separated generally. But the what you do know that happens is that parents get afraid to take their kid to the doctor when he falls or, or you know, when she's got some sort of scratch on her, you know, because they think that all of a sudden it's going to bring in this big investigation that's going to break right. up a family. Um, so I think that these systemic issues are have always been number one. But what we've seen recently that we haven't seen since, you know, I would say pre Emmett Till is the blending of uh these systemic issues and the power structure that we have and these extreme measures that have been taken you know so you have the former president of the united states uh meeting with you know extremists and anti-semites and and 
you know, you have, of course, you know, in 2017, going back there, you know, Charlottesville, where he refused mm -hmm. to condemn. You know, these are the things that I think we haven't seen post, you know, since pre-civil rights or during the civil rights movement, you know, when the system also was, you know, just as bad, but you also had the lynching and the system kind of winked its eye at the lynching. Um, so I think we're in that kind of a spot that is dangerous. And we need to recognize that. And we need to make sure not only that we focus on these systemic issues, but that we don't let some of these extremists and extreme characters find their way into the mainstream and see that blending of the systemic racism and, and issues that we have along with the extremists and the extremists get a seat at the table. Um, yep. That's somewhere that I didn't think we'd be, honestly. Um, and it seems like since uh, Donald Trump's election that it's getting closer to that. And I'm not so sure that, you know, even though Donald Trump seems to be uh, getting his comeuppance on some level, I'm not so sure that they're being shunned by yeah. a lot of mainstream uh, Republicans. And, you know, well, there's and, also and, a very prominent website that has a new owner who sort of feels like giving voice to Klansmen and Nazis is what free speech is all about, rather than a, a private business having some discretion over who gets to use their service to spread their filth around. I mean, we're literally having to debate over, you know, what is the meaning of free speech in the First Amendment? And by the time we're done having the argument, doesn't matter. These accounts have already spread their talking points all over the web. Good times. Dr. Tracy, I want, I want to bring you into this. I, I was really, really taken by, by something Jason just said. You know, the, the hate always evolves. The language always evolves. They can't come out anymore and say, I hate Jews. So they'll say things like uh, globalists, you know, or Kanye will try to soft soap Hitler. They can't come out and be nakedly anti-black. So they'll talk about how critical race theory is Marxism, which is what they call Dr. King. They can't come out and actually hate on gay people. So they'll come out and say the word groomer a lot. It just sort of seems like it's always the same hate. It just comes wearing a new hat every year. How do you feel about this year we we just uh, survive because I mean misogyny got off kind of easy this year. <laughs> There's so much that I could say about everything that I just heard. Um, I think I think that that people do in fact say the the hate that you're not supposed to say or you're not that you shouldn't have in the first place. Let's let's phrase it that way. But they do do it through uh, through code. And I, and yes. and one of the things that I saw this year was the recognition of naming it you need to name it if you're going to address it and people are starting to do that they're starting to confront it and that's what you have to do um it's these folks are are your neighbors your teachers maybe some of your relatives uh mm -hmm. they are they you have to name it and you can't do what i call the california method uh, i moved to los angeles in 2018 and i'm from new england OK, so we we don't we don't shy away from speaking our mind there. Uh, but in California, there's this thing that they do. And, and believe me, I consider myself a Los Angelino now. Uh, but there's a smile and there's a, a polite niceness. And, and in fact, no worries is something that they use here, which is it depends on how it's said. And so rather than confront something, they would rather just be fake nice about it. And right. I think that what we need to do is to stop the fake nice and to put down and say, knock it off. This is what you're doing. Don't do it. 
We mm. see it a lot on Twitter. We see it, you know, where people are confronting each other, but we need to be doing it in our lives. I don't consider Twitter my life. Um, right, I, you know, those aren't real people to me. Uh, the the people in my life who say those things need to be confronted and you need to have conversations. I find the word why to be really effective. Why do you feel this way? Why do you think this? Uh, help me understand uh, and, and, and to start those conversations. But yes, absolutely. Uh, when, when we were talking about Donald Trump and his comeuppance, I insist that you go outside, spin around three times and spit because I'm not <laughs> convinced that that's guaranteed. But uh, the misogyny is there. Uh, it, it was sanctioned yeah. by the yeah. Supreme Court. And, and so much has, has happened this year as you were sort of detailing the things that have transpired. I, I was like, oh, wait a minute, I forgot that. Oops, I forgot that. Um, and and all of these things have found their way into the institutions. When you talked about child protection, I was a child protection attorney back back in the day uh, mm -hmm. and in my last career. And when I was representing parents in cases, they would not want to take their kids to the doctor. They would not want to um, uh, do certain things because these systems are not designed to help people. They're designed to punish certain people. Yeah. And it, we don't recognize that and we don't look for the implicit bias that's contained within all of these systems and how it impacts people's lives. You know, I agree with everything you both just said. And and as dark as it got for me during the year and as, as scary as it got that so much of this talk is suddenly acceptable in some quarters or always has been. Time and time again, it's the resistance of the American people that keeps me from putting my head in the oven. When Kanye West did what he did. I was just so moved by how on social media, the African-American community was right there denouncing it um, and seeing people cross the normal uh, uh, ethnic and cultural lines to stand up for people who are different than them. But what also disturbs me is how some people get this news and some don't. Morning Consult just put out their polls of the year, and they were talking about the partisan divide in awareness of 2022, how Democrats will hear this story, Republicans don't hear about it that much, or Republicans will hear a lot about this, Democrats don't. The greatest partisan divide was over Kanye West expressing appreciation for Adolf Hitler in November. 44% of Democrats said they heard a lot about it, but only 18% of Republicans said they heard a lot about it. It, it seems in many ways that living in the golden age of niche news is only going to exacerbate our divisions and it's only going to give the bigots more cover. I agree. Uh, we've talked about this before where there's this framing that goes on. There's a great big picture. Let's say it's like dogs playing poker and some people and there's cats playing poker, too. And the, the frame is of the dogs playing poker. And you will fight to the death to say that the dogs are playing poker when, in fact, there are cats there, too. And then the other group is arguing that cats are playing poker, but they can't see the dogs. It is it is this framing that goes on. And um, now the framing has always sort of gone on, but it's just become so much more myopic. And yeah. it is really frustrating for folks like me who are, are trying to teach people something. I think that the information is often also there, but people ignore it. They justify it. They explain it away. They don't hear it. It, it flies over their head because they aren't they aren't aware of it. They're not focused on it. They don't care. Jason Nichols. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think, you know, one of the things 
that you know happens to me because you know i go into conservative news all the time mm -hmm. and god bless you <laughs> thoughts and prayers <laughs> right i mean you get an award you know it was it was uh you know barack obama who said that 10 percent of fox viewers are persuadable so you know i i try to you know i'm not trying to reach the 90 percent because they're unreachable but there are the that group that small sliver of people that can That's be true. persuaded by a reasonable argument um and you know they they may choose one side for one you know one reason or another but you you can slowly erode uh some of their allegiance um That's i true. do think you know uh it, it's important for us to get outside of of our echo chambers uh, but that's one of the things that's encouraged by the, uh, you know, the algorithms that, that we're all a part of. You know, one of the things it's either encouraged to keep you in an echo chamber or to make you angry, you know, yeah. give you some sort of red meat from the other side that, that gets you all fired up. And I, I admit, I, I've fallen victim to this. And this was even pre-Elon. You know, a lot of this was happening because it keeps you scrolling. It keeps you, what did Lauren Boebert say today? What did yeah, Marjorie Taylor say today? You know, now, meanwhile, there are real issues that we could be informed about. Um, you know, there are real issues that could actually, you know, uh, motivate us to, to be more involved civically or, or even with our activism. But instead, we're sitting there and thinking about, you know, why we're angry about this or, or you know, we get into our echo chamber and we say, of course, that, you know, I, I know when I've gone on conservative news, one of the complaints that they always give and they write into the hosts and all that and say, why did you let them talk? I hate that you let them get out those, those you know, those That's liberal points. And it's really sad that that we can't have a reasonable discussion. You you know, you mentioned my old podcast, yeah. uh, Vincent, and that was our whole purpose was to go, you know, head to head you know, progressive versus conservative and, you know, made the best argument win. And, you know, the the people just didn't want <laughs> to hear that. They didn't I want 50% of the time that they spent watching a podcast or listening to a podcast to be from the other side. I know, now, we'll, I know. We're in, a, we're in a strange time now because I would have enjoyed that before. But now I will say the right has gone so far you know, that I'm not so sure that there are a lot of uh, places where I'd want to hear, you know, when, when I'm alone and I'm watching news or I'm reading news like it used to be that I could, you know, go into a conservative, uh, you know, site and read what they produce and also read some of my favorites. And yeah. now it's harder to do that. Um, so hopefully when we we will come you know, at least the right will get a slightly more reasonable and, you know, we'll be able to come in and, uh, you know, maybe that's my, my Christmas wish. No, I keep hoping for that, too. Listen, I mean, from a it, from a booking a radio show point of view, I mean, finding sane conservatives was a lot easier in the Obama age. It's gotten a lot tougher. I mean, we can get conservatives in New York state who will reject Donald Trump, but actually finding people in the right wing bubble who are willing to come and exchange in, in, in a, a good faith exchange of ideas. That's really hard. And we don't see it too much in the media, not between Trump supporters and, you know, the same community. Um, we have to take a quick break, but I want to keep this ball in the air. When we come back, I want to continue and I want to add to it. 
the unprecedented reality of having an 80-year-old U.S. president. We've never come close to having an 80-year-old president, and we've never come close to having a president get this much done in the first two years in our lifetime. I think we should run a 100-year-old guy next, because, I mean, my God, I guess they got free time. The naps help get shit done with Joe Biden. We'll be right back on our 2022 Year in Review. This is Progress. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to SiriusXM Progress. I'm John saying We are running down our end of 2022 special with two of our favorite guests, Dr. Tracy Pearson and Dr. Jason Nichols. Let's talk about Joe Biden. Uh, he's 80 now. And um, my God, signing the Inflation Reduction Act, the Respect for Marriage Act, record low unemployment, helping our allies in Ukraine, getting Ketanji Brown Jackson confirmed as the first African-American woman on the Supreme Court. I, I, I mean, I'm just getting started on this. It's been quite a year. I'm dying to know what you both think. We all still have our critiques of Joe Biden. I'm fine saying he wasn't my first choice in 2020 or my second. But as someone who grew up thinking, OK, uh, as a teenager, I like Joe Biden going after apartheid. Don't like him voting for the Iraq war. I do like him uh, being the first national politician to come out for marriage equality. But do I want him president? Nothing in his entire history could have prepared me for how far this man has come. I'd love to know your thoughts. Dr. Tracy. I love Joe Biden. I think that he is great. I I think that he gets things done. And, uh, you know, you got to remember that he was the he, he was the one that moved Barack Obama on on gay marriage. So uh, when folks say that that he's the past, I have a really hard time with that because he was progressive, at least as to that issue at that time. I think that that the problem that we have when it comes to Joe is that uh, two things. One, age, because there's ageism everywhere. Yeah. And I have a problem with this. And as I get older, I have a problem with this. I <laughs> like, hate it. I'm going to be too old. Right. I don't um, like people who are ages to young people. And I don't like young people who are ages to older people. And I've seen it from all sides of it. I want them all to get off my lawn. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and then the second thing is that Trump broke humanity. Uh, I think this should be a bumper <laughs> sticker, and I, I claim uh, copyright to it. Trump broke humanity because he, he, what we used to understand about how government worked was that it moved slowly. It took forever for us to achieve any sort of outcome or progress. And mm -hmm. instead, people think it's like a drive through at Burger King that you can have it your way and you can have it immediately when you want it. And you can't have it immediately when you want it. In fact, every time Trump tried to have it immediately when he wanted it, he got overturned by the courts and yeah. and it was a joke and he created problems. 
And so what we have seen is is constant effort by the Biden administration and by Congress. I think that one of the things that we forget is that Biden is sort of up there and he's the figurehead and he's managing the agencies and he's doing stuff like that. And he's talking to people and he's persuading people and he represents the country internationally. But but where the laws are made and where the work happens is in Congress. And that exactly. was that is now Speaker Emeritus uh, Pelosi, who kept her caucus together. Chuck Schumer's got a problem. He can't keep his caucus together. And when you can keep your caucus together and move forward legislation, you can present it to the president for a signature. I agree with what you're saying. And I agree that, you know, Schumer couldn't keep his caucus together. But let me just say, compared to what future speaker Kevin McCarthy is going to have to deal with, it's going to make Schumer look like he had cinema and mansion on a tight leash. I mean, you're going to get a lesson in a leader who can't hold his caucus together. I want to bring in uh, Dr. Jason on this one. So first of all, I'm glad that, you know, my counterpart just brought up, um, you know, the fact that the two octogenarians have done pretty well. Um, I, I think Nancy Pelosi Though, you know, she stepped down as speaker, she needs all the respect in the world for the things that she was able to accomplish in her career and how effective a politician she was. That's why the right hated her so much is because she was so effective. She was able to get there is no Affordable Care Act without Nancy Pelosi. That was Nancy Pelosi being a foot soldier and getting those votes uh, to be able to make that happen. And, And, you know, so many more people are insured right now because of that. Um, I think Joe Biden, again, had a very good year. Um, It doesn't reflect Mm -hmm. in his popularity, but he had a very good year. Um, I thought 2021 was shaky. That was a shaky year, and we need to admit that. You know, there were some unforced errors in 2021. Absolutely. There were unforced errors in 2022. Unforced errors. There were plenty this year, too. I, I think the railway workers should have gotten their seven days paid vacation. But go go on, please, absolutely. doctor, please. Don't get me started on that. You know, yeah. but, That's Congress. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, mm-hmm. uh, Congress definitely, you know, is is uh, responsible for a lot of things. I think Congress absolutely. is responsible for the border. We could fix the border if they actually passed the, the Bipartisan Border Securities Act. But that's a whole different conversation. What I will say is that, you know, Joe Biden... Uh, came in and he is, you know, lower, he lowered gas prices. He got all the, you know, the Chips Act and all those uh, different pieces of, of legislation, the Inflation Reduction Act by lowering not only healthcare costs, but also energy costs. Uh, you know, as many of us are, are about to go into a deep freeze uh, yeah. in these coming days. So I think it's really important that, that a lot of what he's accomplished. And his career, I will say, it's been up and down. I'm not going to come out and say, you know, I loved all 50 years of Joe Biden. Joe Biden voted for, you know, uh, the Anti-Drug Abuse Act of 1986, which basically Mm -hmm. was the cause of mass incarceration. He he actually author of the Biden crime bill in 1994, even though I will say this, he didn't want three strikes. That was Bill Clinton. Fair. Bill Clinton. That That wasn't Joe Biden. Joe Biden said that was wacko. Um, But at at any rate, you know, so Joe Biden's had, you know, some things that I think have been, you know, not very good for our society. You know, again, him coming out 
for uh, marriage equality was really important. Uh, I think that there are a lot of things that he's done in his career that have that have been good and that have been bad. But this last year has been strong. And I wish that it kind of reflected people could be fair minded. And I, one of the things that I'll bring up is I think one of the things that this administration has been really bad at is promoting themselves. You know, one of the things Trump did really well, Trump said, I funded HBCUs. Now, again, that's not quite true. He took what Obama did and made mm -hmm. it permanent, $250 million. The Biden administration in the last, in uh, 2021, gave $6 billion to HBCUs. But you don't hear about it. Nope. You know, they don't they don't call me or you, John, to go on cable news or to go you know, on Newsmax or wherever and say, hey, what about this? What about that? It's true. You know, we're the truth I, bombs. I, yeah. Yeah. And and I'll I mean, tell you, the Trump people were good at that. They oh, they had their strategy meetings and they would send people out onto all the cable networks and you would get to meet the president if you defended him publicly. That's right. Um, they were really good at that. But this administration isn't. They do the work and they put their nose to the grindstone and that's good, but this is politics and, and you have to take credit for your successes. And I think the, the Obama administration was the same way. They ran away from their own success and that was you know, to their detriment when it came to midterms. This I midterm, agree. you know, it, it, Trump you know, blew it up for the, for the Republicans and, and we came out you know, less scathed than we could have. The I Supreme Court helped with that effort. <laughs> yes. In, in the case of the White House messaging, though, you're right. Donald Trump would take credit for all kinds of things that Barack Obama had done. He kept on taking credit for Vets Choice, even though there's a picture of Obama signing it in 2014. Took credit for the lowest black and Latino unemployment when that was just Obama's trend continuing. I mean, my God, mediocre white guy taking credit for a black man's achievements. But I agree that the White House has not done a good job of trumpeting this president's successes. You look at last year in 2021. We achieved the lowest child poverty rate in history because we tried to. And if nothing else, it shows that if the government wants to do that, the government can actually reduce child poverty, which helps all of us and is good for the economy overall. But, yeah, I, I don't I don't hear these arguments. And, and Tracy, one of the things that gets me crazy is I think the White House keeps getting pummeled on Biden's age. I think they should just come out and say, yeah, he's old. Once in a while, he takes a nap and look how much he gets done. Like, don't run away from the issue. Go ahead and just say, yeah, uh, he's also the most consequential first term president since World War II. I, I wouldn't run away from his age the way they seem to. Absolutely. I think you confront it and you say, you look at, he's, he's amazing. Look at how incredible he is. Like, don't McCartney's you hope that you're going to be that way? Harrison Ford's you know? 80. Harrison Ford and McCartney are 80. It's not a crazy thing anymore. He's still younger than Morgan Freeman. I don't understand what's wrong with the communication apparatus over there. I really don't. I, I think that, that there's a combination of problems with the DCCC and, and, and the Biden White House and trying to coordinate messaging. I don't understand it. We're relying on things like the Lincoln Project to, to communicate right. messaging and polling. I can't. I'll tell you right now, I am 100 percent thumbs down on polling because nobody's called me. I don't That's know right. who they're calling to ask these questions to. Mm. And and I even during the uh, the midterms, I was following the polls and they were all kept polls by Republicans. Yeah. And I'm reading those and going, this isn't what's actually happening. 
I know who answers the polls. You know who answers the polls? Uh, people who pick up their landline phones during dinner hours. <laughs> and people who pick up their cell phones when they don't know who the caller is. That's who answers polls. And to me, it's, yeah, well, it's not the broadest cross-section of American humanity. Listen, I, I do want to move on and ask both of you before the break, we have, well, we have a couple minutes, about what surprised you the most in 2022. When we come back, I want to talk about what was the low point of the year. But I'm curious now, what was it in this year that surprised you in a pleasant way? Tracy? A pleasant way. Well, just in general, um, I, maybe in, or, in a, or in a horrific way. But yeah, what was, well, a, good, what was two, a surprise? I can do two of those. I can do the pleasant way. Um, I was not surprised by the actual criminal referral from the January 6th committee because I, I anticipated that would happen. What I think it was, was it was just so historic that that it was it was it was somebody fighting back for the American people and mm -hmm. and sending that message to the Department of Justice. And I, I cannot wait to see what Jack Smith does. Um, the second is that that I was surprised horrifically by the U.S. Supreme Court. I was I was surprised that that the chief justice could not keep his people together. He didn't want it to see it row overturned. He wrote a concurrence, one that 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 said that the state law could stay in place, but that that row should not be overturned. And he couldn't keep those people together. If he wanted to do an honorable thing, I would I would pray up and down and sideways that he would resign so that Biden could put somebody in. And I'd I ask for Justice Sotomayor to be the one to knock heads around. I think she uh, ought to be chief justice. I love it. That would be my surprise of next year. Dr. Jason, what was uh, the biggest surprise of the year for you? Well, let, let me just say, uh, as far as that, I mean, y'all y'all going to have to pray really hard because Roberts is young. He's not <laughs> yeah. an old guy. Uh, yeah. We just talked about how an 80-year-old is effective. And you're not going to tell. I don't know how Roberts, old Roberts is. I think he's like <laughs> or something. You know, you're not going to tell him to retire. Um, so he's... So I, I think that that's unlikely. But one of the things, again, going back to messaging is you have to, during a presidential election, say, look, we have some older Supreme Court justices. We are going to put in three or four Supreme Court justices. And guess what? Hillary Clinton didn't do that. Guess who did? Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. He mentioned that over and over and over again. I'm going to get three Supreme Court justices and we're going to overturn Roe. And look. So I was not surprised by that. I just want to just want to say that. But I, I will say this. What surprised me pleasantly, I did on some level know that this was going to happen and I predicted it over and over again. But it, it was still a nice feeling was midterms. And yes. there were a couple of races that I thought I went to Arizona and, and you and I, John, have talked about this. I went to Arizona and just the my fingers slightly on the pulse mm -hmm. uh, they were not in love with katie hobbs I know. um so I, and only at, katie hobbs is in love with katie hobbs yeah no nobody's <laughs> in love with katie hobbs so it's like it's it, it, except her partner whoever he or she is i can say this when they you know put, putting the fingers on the pulse it seemed like you know not only were people not in love with katie hobbs and then you saw how media savvy Carrie Lake was. I mean, Carrie yeah. Lake, I mean, she's got a talent. Uh, you I can't, thought this whole, I thought it was over. I've met Carrie yeah, Lake. I I've done too. TV with her. I thought it was over. She's yeah, another I, one who's in love with herself and, and Ray more than, than Kitty Hobbs is, frankly. That's yeah. true. I mean, that, that was a, that was a shock. I, I really thought um, it was going to, I thought it was going to be close, but I thought 
that Carrie Lake was going to, it was going to basically be reversed. It was going to be a one or two point win for Carrie Lake. Yeah. Um, I, I thought Laxalt was going to win in, um, in Nevada. I, I, I thought Masto was toast. Um, and she pulled that out too. So those were two really pleasant surprises, you know, from, from this year that I yeah. did not expect. I, I was, you know, just kind of taking a deep breath and being like, Carrie Lake. And honestly, had she won that race, that was so important. And you got to give credit to Katie Hobbs. She knew she was not a strong debater. <laughs> you know, so she's like, I'm not going to do it. We thought she was you crazy. Know? It's like, you're not going to do one debate. You're crazy, Katie Hobbs. But yeah. she knew exactly what she was doing. She was denying Carrie Lake the chance to have a bunch of really great on-camera moments. And boy, it worked. Also, the fact that conservative voters in the state of Arizona uh, like that they supported John McCain and don't like being told that they were idiots for supporting John McCain for all those decades. Totally agree. For me, great surprises. Carrie Lake losing, John Fetterman winning, and Obi-Wan Kenobi really was pretty good. Okay, we got to hit another break or Chris or Thea are going to kill me. When we come back, I want to know about what was the low point for you of the entire year. Everyone's got a different answer for this one. And also what inspired you in the culture. We'll be right back. This is Progress. Welcome back to SiriusXM Progress. I'm John saying It is the end of 2022. I'm so glad that we've all survived it, at least most of us. And uh, I'm so glad that we have two of our favorite people here to wrap up the year, Dr. Tracy Pearson, Dr. Jason Nichols. And I want to ask both of you, we know what surprised you in 2022. I'm curious, what was what would you say was the worst point of the year for you? I know there were a lot of lows, but what really stands out as being something that the human race is going to have to battle back from? Tracy? Uh, the recognition of how completely stupid we are. I, I am so <laughs> done with the idea that, that people don't understand basic knowledge that they should have, basic civics, basic legal concepts. I have fought with more people on Twitter to try to explain things to them. My, If you ask me a question, I will spend hours explaining it to you so that you understand and anybody can reach out to me to do that. And I will teach you anything. I will. I just can't handle the lack of knowledge and people spouting off. The, the second thing is just that we have not yet whacked COVID. I am, yeah. I am really just so upset about that. Amen. Jason? I think for me, um, the, the two, you know, I can think of two real low points for me, just emotionally, were Buffalo and Uvalde. Yeah. Um, those, those were just some low, you know, I'm a father and I'm a black man. And those are two incredibly important parts of my identity. And when I see, you know, those two things being attacked or not being protected, you know, it, it really, really dug deep into my core, you know, as as a father and, and thinking about I'm even getting emotional right now. I'm trying to hold it in right now. But like, you know, how helpless those families were and the failures of, you know, the Texas public safety and, you know, local police and all the law enforcement there. It was it was really, really tough. And then, you know, again, Buffalo, you know, people just you know, shopping at the one grocery store because we know that black neighborhoods often don't have one. That's right. Uh, you know, shopping at that one grocery store and, you know, having to deal with some guy who wrote a manifesto and, and it was a mass shooter 
And I mean, you know, it, it's an extension of all these other things that were difficult to to hear about, you know, the people in, in Colorado and and all those kinds of attacks really, really, you know, present to me how important this fight is. Um, yeah. You know, and, and again, you don't teach race, you know, in, in school and you don't teach citizenship and things like that that will make people better people. That's when you get some guy writing a crazy manifesto that he read off the Internet. In, in both of these cases, it was young, early 20s, white males who were given easy access to a weapon of war designed by a man who never wanted it to be be available for civilian use. And in that sense, both of these horrific crimes were so preventable. The, the Buffalo shooter, and I don't want to say either of their names, the Buffalo shooter literally searched on Google to find the upstate New York County with the highest black population. It was completely targeted, right down to the zip code as to why he was there. And I mean, Uvalde, you know, even if I wasn't a tad, I'd be appalled by it. To, to see TV news saying, we've edited the screams of children out of this footage. And it, it, it's normal. I mean, I think the most depressing thing about the gun violence is we know that it's gonna continue. It's gonna keep on going on because big money in politics, and there's just too much money invested. And every time there's a mass killing, I subscribe to the NRA websites. I get their mailings. They tell me Joe Biden's going to come take my guns. So people go out and buy more guns and they profit off of every new mass killing. I'd say in many ways, Dr. Jason, it is the bleakest story of the year because we know that Putin's going to fail eventually in Ukraine. We, we know that eventually women will have the reproductive rights restored in this country. I don't know what the path is to keeping guys in their early 20s from having mass kill machines. I had to cover the Cruz hearings, uh, you know, the trial, and yeah. I had to listen to those audio recordings. I think every every politician should be forced to listen to those things and to listen to the trauma that goes on in the background and to hear those kids scream and, and beg for their lives. I agree. I, I, I think that I think I'll go a step further. I, I would love to see parents release the photos of their mangled children to the press. I think every American of every age should see what an AR-15 does to a child's body. I think we should get used to the pictures. You know, I think as execution should be on TV as well. Let us see what is happening in this country and don't be tasteful and hide it from us. We're not going to get any change in this country from brushing it under the rug. I'm sorry, Jason, I totally hijacked your whole point. No, I was I was just I was just going to say you sound like a free speech absolutist there, you know, um, you, in that in that sense, I am in, in that sense, I am. Yeah, no, I, 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 and I agree with you uh, in, in that sense is is that, you know, show what actually happens. Don't let people just kind of Disney it in their minds. Um, we need to actually see what happens when, you know, someone gets hit with those kinds of weapons. And again, I, I think a lot of this. Even, you know, it, it, it upsets me that, you know, you have like maybe a day where people realize like, man, this is really bad. And then the, you know, the right comes up with their talking points and they start using, again, black lives as as a talking point. They start right. pointing to Chicago and they start talking about this and that, which, by the way, a lot of those places where they get those guns and, you know, in the inner city are from neighboring states that's it. or from their, their own state, you know, because they yeah. have lax gun laws. So, you know, with Chicago, people go into Indiana and they that's buy it. weapons. 
You know, uh, same thing. New, they buy New Yorkers buy them in Virginia. Exactly. But they'll say Chicago, Chicago, because that's the code talk now. Right. Absolutely. So and again, there, there are higher murder rates in some of these Republican cities and in, and in uh, Republican counties, you know, places like, uh, you know, Bakersfield, California yeah. has a really high murder rate. And that's Kevin uh, McCarthy's district, I believe, <laughs> you know, um, that's current Tucker. Tucker viewers will never know these facts. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be right back. This is Progress. Okay, now I want to end on a positive note. You know, we lost a lot of great artists this last year. And um, some of my favorite comedians, friends of this show, Bob Saget, Gilbert Gottfried, Louis Anderson, Judy Tenuta, people I've known for years. But there was also so much great creativity, so much great art this year. And I'm very curious just to, to round things out. What inspired you culturally in this last year? Was there an album, a song, a book, a play, a film, a, a, a YouTube video? What really turned you on in 2022? Dr. Tracy? I love pink. I love Pink and everything she sings is literally happened in my life. And she came out with two songs this year. One was Irrelevant. Another was uh, Never Not Gonna Dance Again. Irrelevant is the thing that I listen to when I need to kick my ass in gear and not quit. <laughs> nice. Nice. Dr. Jason. So I, I just recently saw Will Smith's film Emancipation. Mm -hmm. And it's really good. I mean, the cinematography is unbelievable, but it's, you know, while people are saying that there shouldn't be more movies about slavery, I disagree. Here's, I disagree here completely. When, you know, they're trying to change at least the context around slavery in classrooms. One area where people like us have some sort of power is in popular culture. So I think, you know, we should tell those stories and to hear the story behind that famous picture that we all see as representative of the, of the brutality of slavery was really important. And to see that man's bravery, no white saviors in that movie. It was That's just right. the bravery of that black man and the fact that and the resilience of his family, his wife and children shows you the importance of of keeping families together. And, you know, something that we saw under attack under the last administration when they were yeah. trying to separate families. Um, I thought it was so relevant and so important. And, you know, Will Smith is, you know, I know he slapped somebody, but you know, he's still my guy. I understand. Um, by the way, we're from the same block, you know, so. We are uh, in Philadelphia, so I always well, and, have. And likewise, you know, one of the recurring themes of, of being an adult in this century is having to remember that we we can't judge the art based on the personal behaviors of some of the artists who are in it. If John Lennon beat his first wife, I don't get to condemn all the Beatles albums. So, you know, I might not like what Will Smith did to Chris Rock, but I'm not going to judge the film Emancipation and all the professionals who worked on it for it, especially because I agree with you. There have been so few real films of integrity about slavery in this country. I, I think we need more. Absolutely. More good ones. In our final minute, let me just ask if you have any predictions for the year. The Atlantic had an article, We Are Not Prepared for the Coming Surge of Babies. Presidential races aside, the post-Roe rise in births in the U.S. is going to be concentrated in some of the worst states for infant and maternal health. The GOP has punished poor women with greater poverty, and that's what scares me the most about next year. I'm curious if you guys have any predictions for 2023. 
I think that that Jack Smith, the new special counsel, is going to kick ass. I think he is going to come in and take names and and we're going to see some some serious effort on his part to hold people accountable. Very nice. Yeah, I I, I predict the same thing, but uh, one of I guess my fear is um, I'm hearing, you know, I've read a couple of uh, economists that say that uh, inflation has peaked right now and that it's going to, you know, go down, but that we're going to see a resurgence in 2024 at the beginning of 2024. If that happens, not only will it mean bad things economically, but, you know, politically, it will really damage the Democratic Party and Joe Biden uh, as he goes into reelection. So I'm hoping that that's not the case. Um, but that's what some economists are saying. I'm, I'm hoping that we're, we're at a peak and we're going to be dropping and that they'll stop rising interest rates or raising interest rates. Um, and, you know, a good economy with some of the legislative, you know, accomplishments of this administration and then couple that along with the clown show that's about to come in, you know, when it comes mm-hmm. to the to the Republicans and how they're going to be Hunter Biden the whole time. <laughs> You know, that was my Ted Cruz uh, uh, impression there. Um, you know, I think that uh, eventually the American people are going to be turned off by that at a certain point. They're, they're always going to have the loud voices on Twitter. But I think the American people, most people aren't on Twitter all day and most people aren't really super political. They just want results. And I think if this administration can continue to get some level of results for the American people and their economy is good, I think Democrats are in a very good position moving forward. Dr. Jason, what is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with your work? Uh, so you can find me on uh, the trash bin called Twitter uh, at Dr. <laughs> Nichols, at Dr. Jason Nichols. That's at D-R-J-A-S-O-N-N-I-C-H-O-L-S. And you can find me on Facebook, Jason Nichols, Ph.D. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, all the all the social media different platforms and you can uh look out for me i'm I'm, i write a lot so i'm writing a lot in uh, newsweek and maybe some other uh publications so keep a lookout for my name and dr tracy pearson how can we follow you oh gosh i am on all the things including uh you know the thing potentially disappearing called twitter um Mm -hmm. so we've got twitter TikTok, instagram linkedin mastodon post news all of those are Tracy Explains, T-R-A-C-Y Explains. I'm uh, on Substack. I do a little bit of writing uh, and you can find it uh, under uh, Dr. Tracy Explains. And then I also opened a Reddit. I don't know how that's going to survive, but I opened it wow. with the idea that maybe I might build that. Nice. I and you might you even both. hear me here. Listen, I'm looking forward to getting you both on the show a lot more in 2023. It's going to be a crazy year. My only prediction is that our country is going to feel like a reality show where Trump, Putin, Kanye and Elon make very bad choices. And it's always going to be on and we're all going to be forced to keep on watching it. I want to thank both of you for joining us. And I just want to say how lucky I am to work at a channel like SiriusXM Progress, where you get incredible shows with the kind of perspective you're not going to get in corporate news. And I get to work with two wonderful producers like Chris Hauselt and Thea Harper. So I'm most grateful to them and most grateful to you, our audience. Thank you for giving us a great way to come to work every day. And let's have a great 2023. Let's all invest in popcorn and watch Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis tear each other the ribbons. It's going to be like porn for the angels, folks. We will see you in 2023. Thank you all for being here. This is Sirius XM. I'm John Fugel saying peace. Peace.